Howdy, y'all! Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Thank you guys for being here. This is it for 2021. It's two years we've been doing this, guys. Episode 104, that's 52 a year, one every week. This is it. It's been a big one. It's been a lot. It's It's been you know, tough to, to do this and to get it all out, but there's a lot of people to thank for it and to thank for making this happen, and I appreciate all of them. A couple of people I want to thank individually. My, my wife, Sarah, has been so kind to uh, uh, be patient while I do this and, and get this off the ground, and I appreciate her so much for letting this thing be a part of both of our lives and a part of your life too, I hope. So uh, a big thanks to her. And uh, I got to thank my partner in all this too, Sam Thomas, uh, producer Sam. Uh, he's working on this just as hard as I am and I couldn't do it without him. And it's not possible without Sam's efforts. So I want to thank him here too. Thanks, buddy. And then the patrons who make this happen, the people on Patreon who uh, financially support the show and you know every month they put a little bit of money in individually and together it becomes a thing that you know makes it worth it. it it helps us grow the show it helps us get bigger it helps us get new gear and we appreciate them a lot so thank you patrons all right this week's show Josh Van Way I ran across Josh Van Way going to see a couple open mics here in Knoxville. And the dude is the truth. And his music is fantastic. He, he's a fantastic musician, but his songwriting and his vocals are amazing as well. And it was a pleasure to get to chat with him on the mics here for the podcast. And uh, I think it's a great way to round out this year. I hope you guys enjoy our chat. Also, we had him play a few of his songs here in the shop. We set him up and got him comfortable and got him playing a few, a few of his original songs that were fantastic and blew my mind. I'd forgotten how good he was from seeing him live. And I hope you guys enjoy that, which is going to be tacked on here to the end of the podcast. I'm not going to do an outro today. I'm just going to let Josh play for you guys. And I hope you enjoy that. If you want to see the video of it, you can go to YouTube. The video of his performance is on YouTube at the end of the podcast. Uh, but we're also going to put that up as its own separate thing here at some point, too. Thank you guys so much for being faithful listeners of the show. And we've got a big 2022 coming for you, too. Already got some really good stuff lined up. So thank you all. Thanks for being here. I hope you guys enjoy my chat with the man. Mr. Josh Van Way. We're doing the pop cast. Oh, man. You caught us on a circus night. A circus night? Yeah, it's just kind of crazy around here. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, man? Doing good. Good. It's, How about you? I'm good. Yeah. It's good to meet you. I've been uh I've been watching your stuff on the gram and other places. And uh it looks like you play all the instruments. As many as I can reasonably dedicate any time to, I think. <laughs> Which one's the main, the go-to? Um, I've probably been playing key. Well, I've definitely been playing keys the longest. 
So keys is probably the first instrument. I picked the rest of them up when I was about 12 or so. Okay. So seems like you're comfortable behind the keys. Yeah. You remind me of my buddy Wes Bailey. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's the way you play him. Do you know him? I don't. He plays uh, for Moon Taxi. He's a keyboard player for Moon Taxi. He's a he's, great band name. Yeah. Moon Taxi. Yeah, they're out of Nashville. You should check them out. Uh, I, I also saw that you had some videos where you were doing like, you were playing all the instruments, but you were cutting back and forth like you were, you know, every member of the band. Were you on a drum machine? Is that what you had? Um, An I mean, 808? I, I've done stuff like that, you yeah. know. I've sometimes I'll actually play the drum kit, but you know, it's hard to have music without a groove. Yeah, you got to have that. Lay it down. Let the uh, the rhythm section is really the heartbeat. Yeah. Can't. No, if the if the rhythm section's doing it right, everybody else can lay back and not even play anything and still music. You know. That's true. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's kind of all you need to really be music. Is is yeah. is is a rhythm section. That's a the core. Bit. You know. Yeah. I guess the base of like jazz and you know bluegrass and all that is always just that heartbeat back there thumping away and then everybody else can take their breaks. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What are your uh like your main genres that you that you play? You know, I personally will play just about anything like for my own enjoyment. Yeah. Um but what got you into it? Like what 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 did you listen to and you're like, "Okay, that's that's what makes me want to make music. I want to make this." I think the first thing that ever made me want to make music was Audio Slave or like some yeah. kind of grunge band. Really? It, it was them or another grunge band. Yeah. Yeah. And just, were you already playing keys at the time when you heard that? Yeah. Um, just playing like the things that, you know, how I, I don't know if you've ever used like a child's keyboard, but yeah. they have the teach you how to play a song where it just shows which keys to yeah. press type thing. Yeah. Like that's how I learned my first songs. Really? How old were you? Mm, early, I was five, six, maybe. Really? Yeah. Did you take piano lessons when you were a kid? Never. Well, I think I took one or two lessons, and I didn't like it. And so... So how'd you learn how to play? Well, the reason that I wanted to play at all, like, was from having encouragement, like, from my parents. Um, I, they, I had that, like, child's keyboard, like I told you. Yeah. And I was just playing jingles off the TV one day. Like and, listening by ear and then playing them back? Yeah. And my wow. parents were like, well, this is not exactly normal. Yeah. So they were like, hey, do you like doing that? You know? And being a kid, you're just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, I didn't realize it was impressive. And they were like, well, if you keep doing that, like, you could probably get really good at it. Like, do you want to do that? And I was like, sure, you know? So they just kind of like led me into it in a very kind of encouraging way. Yeah. Just kind of supported you along the way. Yeah. That's cool. And you're just parroting stuff that you that you heard. Just, yeah. Just, I mean, still, you know. Really? That's I'll hear it in my mind and then try to play that usually. Yeah. I mean, it. it's obvious that you're a good ear player because I, we were listening to some music while you were setting up over here and you just started digging into what was playing. Yeah. Is that how you uh is that how you got chops as a kid after you started figuring out how to how to how the machine worked, how the how the keyboard worked? started listening to other stuff yeah and... you, you get into other genres and you emulate you know for a long time like it's kind of part of the musical progression yeah you emulate what you hear and learn that way that's yeah. the funnest way to learn i think is to yeah. make music and then did you have to get serious about it at some point and learn the theory behind it and i kind of did 
Yeah. I mean, I know enough of that kind of stuff to write some stuff that could pass as jazzy and like play, you know, standards and stuff like that. But I probably don't have as as like extensive of a knowledge of it as somebody who actually went to school for it or anything like that. Did you ever go to school for it or get real serious about learning the mm, nuts and bolts? I mean, in the what I know of it is to like communicate it to other musicians. If I write something that's jazzy, it they will ask for a chart or something, you know, yeah. and I have to understand it at least to that level. Gotcha. Um, but no, it's a funny story. My parents kind of were discouraged from sending me to jazz school in Just a, in a funny the, way. They didn't want you to be a musician when you grew up. <laughs> not, grew up. Not that. It was that, like I said, they were extremely supportive. So yeah. when I was younger, my younger teens, they had me like in studios with my bands and or if I had written something, they would like literally hire older musicians to like play for sessions and like get recordings done cool. and stuff like that. Of your stuff that yeah. you had written. Yeah. Um, and some of those guys were the ones that had discouraged them. They, My mom always likes to tell the story. <laughs> it's like somebody pulled her aside and was like, hey, don't let him go to jazz college. Like it's going to ruin the way he plays or some shit like really? that. Really? That really like resonated with her. So she was like, always discouraged me from it. Oh, they, they didn't want you to be tainted by <laughs> academia. They were like, this kid's got it. Like, just let him feel it and That's, do it. You know, I try not to like feed into that too much because it feels like I'm boosting my own ego, but yeah. I do appreciate that story. I, uh, did I see you at Union Jacks the other night playing? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it was about a month ago, probably. I, I'm the house drummer there for the open jams on Saturdays most weeks. Okay. So, yeah, I'm usually there, and I'll do a set of my own stuff if there's time. Yeah, I, I don't know that you were on the drums when I was watching you play. You might have mm. been on the keys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple nights where I've come back from another gig or something, and I have the keys in the car. I'll play them there. Cool. So, yeah. so you're just you're that you're the house drummer. Is there another? Is there a uh, a complete house band? Or is it just you and you're hosting, you're just providing the backbeat and bringing uh, everybody else up? Yeah, no, it's not just me. There's usually another like lead player. Sometimes there's a violin player, there's a guitar nice. player. And then the lead guy, Chris Marshall, is the guy who like, you know, hosts the jam and puts gotcha. it on and everything. Okay. And he will like open with a few tunes and then it's just an open like free for all for a few hours. So I was there listening a little bit and then going to hang out with my buddies and play pool and coming back and listening a little bit. And at no point did it sound like an open mic night where somebody was just bombing up there. That's to good. me. It sounded great the whole time. Yeah. It seems like you guys have put together a good crew of uh, attendees and musicians that come out and have chops. Definitely. And, and if it's a Saturday and you're a musician and, and you don't have a gig, you're definitely looking to jam because that's just, it yeah. becomes like habitual. Yeah, so you probably get some some really good some really good folks in there that aren't that just happen to not be working that night. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, what time does that start at UJ's every Saturday? It's like seven thirty to eleven ish. Okay. Yeah, it was fun, man. I love what's happened to that place. Have you been around? So, so like, have you? How long have you been in Knoxville? Did I've you grow up here? I've been here for just over a year. <laughs> but I feel like everybody tells me about the old Union Jacks, and they have nothing but terrible things to say. Really? <laughs> well, I hate everybody that has a terrible thing to say about the OG UJs, <laughs> yeah. because that place was a national treasure, man. What makes you say that? It was the diviest, smokiest mm. cheers bar in town, and it was... 
you know, nothing nice about it at all. Um, You're not making a great case for it so far. I love dive bars. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't done up. It was barely, it was barely hanging on. Yeah. But you knew everybody there. And it all, it also kept, uh, it, it kept people coming in on other nights that, you know, weren't regulars, but at any moment you knew half of the bar in there and it was a lot of people too. So it was, uh, it was just kind of a little hole in the wall divey place that, you know, didn't serve wine and liquor. So you couldn't really bring your whole party there after right. you'd been out and about, you know, I gotcha. a different crowd. It was a different crowd, beer crowd. Yeah. yeah. Did they still have live music? Not really. No. Sometimes, but not really at all. There was trivia every Sunday night, the Union Jacks pub quiz. A guy named Marshall did. And uh, that was kind of the most, that was the only time you really heard anybody addressing the whole bar at one time, music <laughs> or otherwise, was during the pub quiz. Yeah, that's it. They started doing trivia a little uh, after he left too, but like, no, there really wasn't much music there. It was divey, dude, but also great and perfect and the place that you would find in London when you like ducked into a bar just to get out of the rain you know just a warm little cozy joint but now Aaron's made it really nice and I hate to say it but I might like it better now yeah I mean it's it's awesome it's awesome now that it's got all the bells and whistles and it feels like a place you could would not be uh, ashamed to take your grandmother to (laughs) yeah no I dig it it's a fun place to be. Yeah. Are there any other open mics in town that you, that play like Union Chris, Jacks? Chris puts on a few, so his he kind of draws like a similar crowd to most of his stuff. It's Chris like, Marshall. Chris Marshall. Okay. Yeah. He puts on uh, one on Monday and Tuesday, and also Thursday. Where so at? Monday is at Barrel House. Okay. Um, or Gypsy Circus. It's yeah. One of those names. I'm not sure if it's both or what. Yeah. But, downtown yep mm-hmm. and he also does um let's see tuesdays at union place ah which yeah is like right around the corner from yeah U- uj's and then uh thursday is open cord yeah which everybody most people know about that you one. know sammy mcateer mcateer i don't think so he he runs around over at the open cord yeah yeah he's one of the one of the guys in charge over there he's a good dude he's been on the podcast before have you uh what about uh uh the open mic at Union Place. Have you ever seen Cornbread over there? Has, uh, oh, dr- yeah. I've seen Cornbread a few times. Yeah. Open Forum on Thanksgiving, and then again for Christmas, I'm we're going to do that. So You know that dude? Cornbread, man. He's wild. He's wild. He's he? awesome. I he, love Cornbread. Me too. He's been yeah. over here twice for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine how it went. It just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's hard to have a bad time with that guy. It really is. Yeah. So... If you've only been here a year, where'd you start out? Where'd you Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up around Dallas. Okay. And it was uh, until I was a late teenager, moved then moved to Colorado with my parents. Okay. For and then I was there for about ten or eleven years before I wound up here. Okay. So how long were you in Dallas? Until I was about seventeen. So you were seventeen. So yeah. you went to high school there. I was homeschooled for high school. Okay. Yeah. Which explains a lot about me, most people say. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, homeschool kids are weird, but you're not. All right. <laughs> what was dad into? Is that why you guys moved? Was for job? Yeah, and I, well, I mean, looking for different opportunities. Okay. Um, I think they were just sick of Texas, too, you know, which is understandable. Texas is its own thing, man. Yeah, no, I, I love Texas, and I, yeah. I've lived back there again really? since for 
a brief amount of time, but yeah, I have no beef with it. I just, I could see why, if that's all you knew since you were young, you know, yeah, be eager to see something different. So did you have brothers and sisters growing up? No, it was just me. Just you? Yeah. Okay. And what were your parents doing? What was dad doing for work? Working, doing HVAC. So when I used to do that, I was working for him. Okay. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that's mostly all he's done since I've been alive. You know, blue collar dude, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Made a lot of money. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a, an industry like construction. People always, always look at it like it's a hard scrabble deal, but like you do commercial stuff or you do like focus on one thing and do it really well. You can stay real busy and make a lot of money Yeah, for a long time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You always need your heater. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Even no in Texas? Uh, maybe not in Texas. <laughs> in Texas, they make all their money. Like if you run that kind of business, you make all your money in the summertime. Yeah. When people's stuff goes out. Yeah. yeah they're desperate. Yeah. We'll be over there in four days. A hot customer is way angrier than a cold customer. Uh, are they? It's, yeah. Yeah, there's like so, uh there's like this um there's like this uh these two uh lines of like crime versus ice cream sales or something like that <laughs> in New York City and it's like they don't They're have anything honest. to do with each other, yeah. right? Except hot days. Except hot days yeah. are when both of them happen. Yeah. It's people are pissed off. It's like being hungry, you know. You don't even realize what's what's wrong with you. Yeah, you yeah. Just, I don't know what happened. I lost my mind. I was hot, man. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start working for your dad? When you were in high school, did he take you take you with him? I did a little bit of that, like helping him install stuff and all that kind of stuff when I was younger and then tried not to do it for a little while. Yeah. But then the money kind of sucked me in. So, yeah. Texas isn't like a union state, is it? Like where there's I, a bunch of unions you got to mess around with and all that? I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. I just know some guys, I remember meeting them and they worked in HVAC and they worked in like, I think St. Louis or something like that. And they were really young. They're like, I make $35 an hour doing HVAC. And I'm like, you're 17 years old. Like, <laughs> that's good money, dude. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's great money. Uh, so Colorado, how'd you like that? I loved Colorado. You moved there when you were a teenager? Yeah. And kind of discovered nature. I was like, oh shit, you can go hiking and like stuff people don't really do in Texas too often. Where'd y'all live? Um, in Denver, around Denver. Okay. Yeah. The Front Range. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Did you get pickup skiing? I did skiing a little while, but it was too hard on my knees, so I just switched mm. to snowboarding and. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of it to go around out there. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Did you pick up the fly fishing thing around then, or did you do that? That was afterwards. Uh, that's more recent, like okay. the last few years. But I did a little bit of that in Colorado and really enjoyed it. And then have had no, I haven't caught a single fish here yet. So that's oh, pretty man. disappointing. You got to go with me tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 going we're going out. I I would, but I have a, a thing tomorrow <laughs> at noon. <laughs> you do. But otherwise, I definitely would. <laughs> I'll take you sometime. Yeah. We'll catch fish. That'd be great. Yeah. I'm sure you know the spots. Yeah, there's some around. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not like it's not like Colorado or Montana or anything like that, but there's places Yeah. There's places to go. I've been going to the national park, um The Smokies? Yeah. I yeah. it's close to where I live. Okay. Where you where do you live? Um closer to Sevierville. Okay. It's like it's twenty minutes for me to the national park. That's great, dude. Yeah. Smokies are really amazing. 
There's some good brook trout streams in there and some good, just the, everything about it's beautiful. Yeah. Except the Ohioans. <laughs> What's wrong with Ohioans? Yeah. You know, just sit there in the park. <laughs> I don't have any beef with Ohioans, at yeah. least not to my knowledge. I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't either. I just, their license plates get on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, go, like, they go real slow. They're in, slow, In the yeah. park. Like, I'm trying they to get to. They don't see, like, curves very often. Yeah, or yeah. bears. Or bears. Yeah, so they, they slow down and get a little spectator traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a park ranger up there. Like, I was on a motorcycle ride, and I was hiding from the rain. And it was mm. just me and these couple of park rangers that were, like, also hiding from the rain under this little awning. So I figured I might as well start a conversation. And uh, they were telling me about bear jams. Oh, I don't know about bear jams. Oh, when when bears are on the side of the road yeah, and everybody like stops? A, they have, like, a turn for it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, like six hours of bear jams that day or something yeah and they just say it like it's a thing Mm -hmm. everybody should know yeah what kind of motorcycle do you ride it's a little harley okay yeah i've had so i've had a ton you have yeah but that's what i settled on it's like small and reasonably slow but still fun it's not the 500 is it no it's not that small yeah it's i mean it's a 1200 but oh wow yeah comparatively to like sport bikes and stuff that I used to ride it feels manageable and really slow. it keeps me like from doing anything stupid alive yeah it's beautiful riding through the park man yeah it is yeah before the fucking Ohioans get there Be- <laughs> <laughs> they're fine as a people yeah they're no, fine you're fine just yeah. you know drive a curvy road every now and then yeah yeah are you uh in any uh any like serious groups right now any serious bands that are doing anything any recording or is it all kind of solo stuff i there's a band that i'm working with called the medicine Mm. and it's a lot of the stuff that i have been doing solo that is going to be like just infinitely better with a full band of like really good musicians Mm. to make the tunes better and to make them like come to life you know gotcha yeah are you playing keys in that outfit or are you doing the doing it all keys and guitar a little bit and then i've got a, dr- a drummer johnny thompson okay and him and i sort of met first and hit it off it was actually at one of those open jams he was hired to be the drummer that night and i think i was hired to play lead or either that or i just wound up coming by because my other gig ended earlier whatever but uh yeah, he was like, oh, man, I really like your songs. I think that I would, you know, it, I'd be down to, like, play and help you record it a little bit and all that nice. kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, this guy seems cool. So we played with some ideas and started recording a little bit and then decided we needed a bass player. So we looked around a little bit and found this guy, Mike Jones, who's, like, killer. He's this singer-songwriter guy. That's how most people know him. But he's more recently at least started taking bass gigs i think i would assume he played bass for a while because he's pretty good but he just recently started trying to be a bassist so you know i feel like i snagged him before anyone else got him (laughs) and then uh yeah then we've got michael bates on guitar who's like my favorite guitar player in knoxville played with him on several jams and he's like the kind of guy like you were saying with cornbread like not that they're similar but in the sense that an unforgettable type of person. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael Bates is like that. Like he's just nothing but good vibes and it's hard to have a bad time playing music with that guy. And he's an amazing guitar player. So all of us together kind of like focused on the same things, like 
the same genre type of music that we like. We all like that really like juicy kind of, how do you describe it? Romantic, like sexy stuff. So all that stuff um, coming to life as a band is pretty exciting. How did you track all these people down after only being here for a year? How'd you plug yourself <laughs> into the scene? Well, open jams and being the house drummer at something like that. It's but like I mean, you, you don't just show up and you're the house drummer somewhere. Like you gotta, you gotta poke around in some circles and some people yeah. recognize that you know what you're doing before, you know, people, yeah. people bring you along with them. So that seems to have happened pretty quickly for you. Yeah. I kind of knew what to do. Cause in Denver, I had played bass in a band. It was like a funk band. Um, and they had hosted an open jam. And so I had gotten used to that template of showing up and kind of showcasing your skills and meeting all kinds of musicians that come out to that kind of stuff. It just kind of, I mean, 99% of the gigs that you get as a musician are just because somebody, it's who you know. I mean, it obviously matters whether you can play the gig well or not too, but people call their friends when they need somebody for a gig. So. And is it like anything else where people like working with people who are decent humans. <laughs> yeah. People always say you got to be a good hang. Yeah. That's like a primary factor. I mean, that's mostly what I had to say about all the guys in the medicine, for example. Yeah. It's kind of assumed that you're a good player if you're joining a certain level of band. But if mm. you, you know, it's like earlier you were joking about like musicians just showing up, you can get a gig that way. Yeah. Like being a good human is also a ridiculously low standard, but that is kind of what it is. It's really? like, you know, if you're not fun to hang out with and cool to be around, then it's hard to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you always hear about those, you know, the, those guys who are just notorious assholes. I think of like, uh, like Tom Petty or something yeah. like that. Just everybody knows them as an asshole. Yeah. It's like, but that's Tom Petty. Like he, he probably had to be decent to work with until everybody realized how awesome he was, <laughs> you know, decent yeah. to be around. Right. Right. You can't start out as an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You got to have some kind of weight to your name. You know, <laughs> people won't put up with your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you move here? Uh, just wanted to, live somewhere that was kind of in the mountains and I mean Denver had gotten Denver's changed a lot since I moved there it's gotten yeah. significantly more expensive and way busier yeah and uh, did they legalize weed what when you were when you mm -hmm. were there 2014 yeah yeah did you recognize a lot of extra tourism and extra people moving there and <laughs> a lot of traffic yeah oh absolutely it's yeah. pretty overwhelming yeah. You know, the and weed tourism and then also people just moving there because they don't want to go to jail for having some weed in their car. <laughs> yeah, totally. Both of those things. And then it just drives the price up so much. Yeah. It's yeah. also a badass place to live. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the secret is out now with Denver for sure. But the music scene had also kind of shut down there with COVID and everything. Mm. It shut down more than it did in Tennessee, most yeah. definitely. So, well, why'd you pick Knoxville though? Sort of good well, reason for it. I had thought about going to Nashville mm. um, with some of those guys that I was in the band with in Denver. Ah, uh, the the jazz band. The, yeah, I like jazz funk. or funk band. Yeah, both. But yeah, yeah um, and just went to check out Nashville and was not really digging it. I don't really? know. I stayed there for a few days, and I was like, I went down the main street. I don't know if it's Broadway. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I didn't hate it, but it definitely seemed like a gig circuit that doesn't really fit what I want to do. Yeah. And I'm sure it does exist there. Like a good 
gig circuit. Yeah. If that's what you call oh, it. And I've heard that it definitely does. Yeah. It's probably harder to break into because right? I bet everybody wants to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also, I, I mean, I really love the mountains in Denver and stuff. And with it getting so crowded, it was hard to go hike or anything and mm. enjoy yourself when it's just overrun, you know? Yeah. So I was like, man, I can get closer to the mountains. I can still be close to Nashville if I want to gig there and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, if it's a worthwhile excursion. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep saying Knoxville. You don't you know, don't necessarily live in Knoxville, but I guess you're here enough to where you play yeah. out. I basically work here. You work here. Yeah. And live near the mountains. Yeah. That's a, that's a, something that uh, a lot of people don't – it's one of those unsung things about Knoxville is that if you're willing to drive a little bit every day, you can live right at the foot of the – Great Smoky Mountains National yeah. Park. Well, you could just edit that part out because we don't need anybody else moving here. <laughs> we're as long as we don't legalize weed, we're gonna be all right. <laughs> I don't think there's any danger in that happening yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, but I love it. Well, good man. I mean, it seems like just you know keep seeing you around and hearing your name around. So it seems like you're making a a bit of a splash, which is which is nice. And I hope we get to hear some of your music later. We got your stuff set up back there, so. Are you uh are you are you writing stuff for you or are you writing stuff for the band right now or does it kind of work through you and then it and um, then now that, now that you have a band at your disposal you can kind of workshop it that way. Yeah. I think that we will right now that's basically what it is. It's like I had written a lot of tunes already, probably 10 or 11 songs that needed to be like hashed out in the sense of how does this work with a band and all that kind of stuff because I'd played them at various jams with people. Um, but actually sort of orchestrating, producing the song a little bit more, like finding things that only musicians who play together a lot can be in on adds mm. a whole nother element to the music than just, just like jamming. Nuance? Yeah, a lot of nuance and like stops and just more interesting things that you have to see coming that wouldn't work in a jamming context, you know? Yeah, surprising the listener. Yeah. And if and, and you'll also surprise your bass player if he doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. Yeah, so we've got that going on. Um, but I'm sure some of the, like I mentioned, like a couple of the band members are very good songwriters and singers and stuff like that as well. So as we, we're just in our beginning stages right now, kind of mm. in the sense of, I mean, we've we've got gigs and stuff, like we can play great, but in the sense of really dying, dialing in the details of our tunes that we've written, like we're in the early stages of that right now. Gotcha. Yeah. Have you been in a bunch of bands? Or yeah. yeah, I've been. I've been in a ton of bands. Are, are you? <laughs> are, where do you like fall in? I, I I assume that if you're a player of a certain ilk, that um, at some point you have to decide like, am I? Do I want to be like the? Do I want to be in the background? Do I just want to be support staff? Do I want to be laying it down for everybody else, or do I want to be one of the ones who's pushing the art and the voice of this thing and moving it forward with mm. my stamp on it a little more. Yeah. Um, did you have to decide uh, if you kind of, where you kind of fit in at some point or did you do both? Yeah. Did you start off just being, uh, you know, the, the last guy in the band and then now you're actually getting to, you know, put your own music out there? That's a really interesting question. I think that uh, you're definitely right. Like when you can put your stamp on something it's hard not to and you mm. got to be careful about that in certain projects like right. there's some stuff that that's not what's being said with the music so you have to keep your stamp off of it and play mm. something else you know what i mean 
but I like the production side and stuff for that reason because it's it's fun to listen to a song and tell have it tell you you know what it needs as opposed to always putting your stamp on something. Um, but when it comes to what you do, it's a very different approach. Then it's that's what the medicine is all about is sort of all of us collaborating to make sure that we're playing something that we really like, um, but that we also think will translate to like a wider audience outside of just musicians. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes that makes good sense. I I just always you see kind of these different kinds of bands, and I I, I like I like jam bands. I listen to you know guys that are out there that are maybe influenced by jazz um, or bluegrass, but it's all seems like everybody gets to pass it around and at some point you know have it be about them for a second. Right. But then I also see bands with these really intriguing front men. And just kind of, it all seems like it's about one person. Yeah. And do you do, do you feel like your music falls in into that uh, when you bring your solo stuff into a group of people that maybe haven't heard or maybe had no part in writing the music? Like, do you have to kind of be careful too about not making it all about this ego trip? Yeah. No, you do for sure, and that's something that I. I mean, I'm not. I would, my worst nightmare is being the center of attention, especially on stage. Like, really? That's why I love working with these guys is that they can take up that space too. Mm. And, you know, we just have a good chemistry together, but it's, yeah, there's certainly an element of, um, that's what I was saying earlier is like, I really would like those guys to start to incorporate their writing and stuff too. I just think that it's been a little overwhelming learning all these tunes that I've sort of like, that we've started out with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're great writers too, and I'm sure that'll wind up being part of it. Good. Yeah. Have you uh, recorded anything with the medicine yet? Uh, yeah, we've so we're working on our first couple singles right now. Okay. Um, and it's a little bit of a slow process because we're doing it from home, and so there's a lot of like certain people coming over certain days to track mm. stuff, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but we've also done a few sessions at home, and uh, tomorrow we're filming another one too. So that should be pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys have a place people can find that stuff? Yes. So there's going to be, we're producing a a video series from the house. Um, It's going to be called the plant sessions. You've got a bunch of plants in your uh, space there. We do have a, (laughs) exactly. So figured why not keep it simple. Bunch of, bunch of live uh, vegetation in there. I was surprised when I saw that. I was like, my man over here, you know, not married, <laughs> living I love in a house. Plants, man. I used to have a plant problem. <laughs> really? Like, I used to have probably seventy-five plants. It looks like you kind of still do. Seventy-five is a lot. Though. We have a lot because my girlfriend's mom works at a plant store. Okay. And has encouraged my plant habit again. So we do have a lot of plants. <laughs> and there were some plants that were no longer needed at her mom's house that have been incorporated into the house you've adopted some plants i've adopted some plants why did you start this plant uh fetish (laughs) i you know i really like having plants inside i don't know (laughs) it's as simple as that they make you feel good yeah i what i hate is fake plants yeah like it makes me angry how do you feel about fake christmas trees same different about that i'm i could see why you don't want something like a dead tree in your house dropping all the needles but a live plant 
is definitely better than a fake plastic plant. I agree. Yeah, man. The uh, the people we bought this this house from, they uh, they had an an orchid that they left behind and left it in the corner of the kitchen, and it was beautiful. And I mean, we were here for a month before I realized it was fake. When I went to water it for the first time. <laughs> So they, they're doing really well in the fake plant game, <laughs> tricking people. That's great. I know. What what's your uh what what's your go to with uh with the plants? What's your favorite one? I mean, you gotta start with something. We started with like ZZs mm. and um let's see, what else? Snake plant was was one of our first yeah. go to's. I think my pl- my first plant was probably some kind of an aloe or something like that. Yeah. But I mean I've I think I have a bit of a green thumb or something. I've never really worried about killing plants. That's good. Yeah. Just go around, feel the soil every now and then. Yeah. Check them out. Just fine. You know, the internet will tell you what your plant needs. Yeah. It looked like, uh, I mean, it was like between two ferns on steroids at your at your house <laughs> over there, man, with your videos you're yeah, recording. For sure. It feels yeah. fun when you're playing the drums. It's like you're in the jungle, you know? Are they shaking around with all the air moving and stuff? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Probably sure. dancing a little. Yeah. You guys have any gigs coming up as the medicine? We, we're not, we haven't nailed down any dates yet, but we do have like a few gigs over the next few months already sort of like coming into the good. works. So, yeah. That's good. What are some rooms around here that you're wanting to play? Um, well, Alley Rays is one that's asked us to play. Um, that seems like a cool spot. It's like brand new. I don't know about that place. I've played there as a bass player in another band, Al- Alex and the Animals, Ooh. with Alex Forrester. Um, that's who's opening for Cornbread on Christmas. Okay. Yeah. We got to talk about Alex and the Animals at yeah. some point, too. Yeah, they're fun. Um, but yeah, Alley Rays is cool. I want to play. I still haven't played Press Pub, even though I've been here a while, which is kind of, I mean, other than being an opener. Yeah, you know, so but you I've have played, played on that stage. Yeah. Okay. I haven't played Scruffy yet, though. It's a good room too. Yeah. Yeah. What about Barley's? What? How's that? Have you been to a show like, there? I like Barley's. I've played there a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Medicine will definitely be playing there too. Awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I think the uh, from what I hear, the Square Room may be getting uh, turned over hands. Maybe changing hands soon. Do you know about that place? Mm-mm. Do you know where Cafe Four is on Market Square? I'm not well like I'm not well acquainted with Knoxville yet. Well, there's there's this there's this stage behind Cafe Four uh that they that they built to be kind of like an event space, but also they did church in there. They may still um but also like a decent size, maybe a two hundred person venue, something like that. Um nice. so not terribly small. There's actually glass in between or used to be. I don't know if it's still there or not, but uh, in between Cafe 4, the restaurant just has curtains in front of it, but you can open the curtains and see the entire venue, like the entire back wall of the venue is glass. So you can see in there from the restaurant. And uh, it's. I hear that it just changed hands and it might be getting a little life breathed into it because it's been an underutilized room for live music. They've used it for events. I've been to a few different events there, some other things, art shows and stuff like that. But there's a stage that... Uh, you could do music on if you can do music in the corner at Union Jacks. You can do music in, on on this <laughs> on this stage because it's uh, it's it's uh, decently sized and really good vibe in there. So I, I hope that happens. I hope that room comes around. I'm trying to think of some other ones around that I, that are um, kind of unsung little places that you don't really focus on. I guess Press Pub and Barley's are the big ones downtown. Um, 
but I've had a hell of a great time at those uh, at Union Place when they do open mics there. There's been some great stuff coming through there, and that's almost feeling better to me than you know going to uh, some of these more well-known places and and seeing the same band for the fifteenth time. Yeah, you know, going to these. You're more likely to see something new. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, we were talking about it before the podcast. Like, I'm, I'm so happy to like see this world that I don't know anything about yet. Of these, I mean, I assume you're ten years younger than me, about somewhere in there, and like this new guard coming in and playing their asses off and playing really good stuff and getting recognized. It, it, it feels really nice to to see great stuff coming down the pike and. It's, you know, uh, uh, I, I think it as a as a generational thing. You're worried, like, is is this just gonna is this just gonna burn out? And we're not, and and we don't have any, you know, what's our sound gonna be as a town, as a culture, as mm. a people, over the next little bit? And I think we're starting to like, I'm starting to notice a little bit of a style coming out here, and it's kind of cool. What's that style? What do you think? Well, I, I, I think that there's some like. Synth, key, heavy music that still feels like Appalachia. Hmm. There's some stuff like that that is just. I still feel the South in in some of this stuff, even though it may be a little more electronic or a little more thrusty and uh, tight jeaned than than stuff we've heard before. Yeah, like we've been great at making Americana music and and like some you know, proggy stuff, bar rock, but I don't know. I, th- I think there's this, I think there's this sound that's influenced by where we are, but it's also influenced by, by, you know, the, the internet and kids that grew, have grown up playing electronic instruments, listening to MGMT or whatever it is, you know, indie stuff. Yeah. And, and it just, it seems like it melds well melds well together but it doesn't feel alien to me for some reason cuz it seems like it always comes back to a little rooty rooted around here a little bit. I got I you. Know. I'm not sure I've heard that. That sounds cool though. You haven't? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's my perspective. <laughs> maybe maybe it's just seeing a little uh, maybe it's just seeing somebody I'm familiar with up there and 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 hearing that uh hearing that stuff come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of some other I'm trying to think of some other rooms that are I mean, we went. Me and Sam took the SOS Christmas party to the Bijou the other night and saw the Mike McGill Christmas Spectacular. And Mike's been around forever. But what was really cool about that is that he brought out—I don't know—probably over the course of the night, ten, fifteen, twenty artists, maybe um, that had never played the Bijou before. And it was an opportunity for them to play on like one of the you know historic hundred-year-old stages. That's cool. In town, so yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of a moment for for people who hadn't who hadn't ever thought they were going to play that big stage, and, yeah, and got to do it for sure. Yeah, but you got to go play Thompson Bowling. That's where you're. That's, <laughs> that's where you're headed. I definitely would like to do an opening gig at the Bijou or the Tennessee Theater or something. You know, start out like, I mean, this band is hopefully good enough, good enough in my eyes that we could do better than that in the long run. But, how do you do that? I mean, how do you? I mean, I know that. You know, bands will tour around and they'll pick up a regional act to open for them because it's cheaper than traveling their, you know, their own opener with them. Yeah. So how do you get plugged into to that world to where somebody in your genre is coming by and finds you? I mean, I've gotten 
I've gotten gigs like that in the past for other bands that I was in just by messaging um, the band on social media. Yeah, getting <laughs> out there and just letting them know that I wanted to open for them. You know, if you're usually your music, it, when you're dealing with musicians, your music sort of speaks for itself. So if it's something that they would like, they'll they'll let you open if they know you can hang. Yeah, everybody needs the room a little bit warm when they get out there, right? Yeah. They, nice. they need something to happen other than silence while they're backstage yeah. <laughs> being 30 minutes late to play. For sure. Yeah, opener, you know, it can't make or break your set, but it makes a big difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And as an opener, like Eric Baker is a guy that um, I feel like I've had in the shop to talk to who has, um, who really took a good opportunity opening. I think he was open for John Legend at the Tennessee Theater. Mm. And it was huge for his career. Like so many people found him. And then, you know, the ripple from from the 2,000 people that saw him before John Legend at the Tennessee Theater were like, this guy is emerging. Yeah. Like, let me, let me grab on. And then he like blew up into this, having this, you know, national following after just a couple of shows. And he'd been a journeyman. He'd been working at it, singer songwriter. He already had everything in the, yeah. you know, in his quiver, but it just took getting noticed, you know, and opening for somebody. Sometimes you just need to get that momentum started, you know? Yeah. And Eric Baker, if you're watching, I know you're playing the Tennessee theater on the 12th and we would love to open for you. So <laughs> ah, hit us up. Listen to you go. <laughs> I love it. Have you been to Bonnaroo? I have not because it was canceled this year. Yeah. Yeah. And last year. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It so. got canceled this year because of flooding and yeah. last year because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You you should, you should set your sights on that too. That's a, a real way to get in front of 20,000 people for no good reason because totally. <laughs> they don't have anywhere else to go on a Thursday night or whatever. Yeah. Any major festival gig is a super fun one for yeah. sure. You know? Well, talking about Moon Taxi, uh, I feel like that's a, a way that, that they kind of started off and got a really good following really quickly. Obviously, they're good, but they also were put in front of these festival crowds and, you know, rocked these people's asses off who didn't know what was coming and kind of grassroots up a following in a, you know, fairly short order. Yeah. And have hung on to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of talk around amongst musicians, like negative talk about playing for exposure. Yeah. Because you hear that in all kinds of contexts. Like sometimes it's at a place where you're not actually going to get a lot of exposure. Or instead of getting paid. Right. You're going to get all kinds of yeah. exposure. Yeah. I'm I mean, still looking with... for a place to cash in exposure bucks. <laughs> Have you found a place? Yeah, exactly. To, that uh, takes them? Well, you know, if you play at Bonnaroo, that might be worth something. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. Those exposure bucks are worth something. Yeah. I talked to this guy. Um, his name is J.D. Wilkes, and he is the front man for a band called the Legendary Shack Shakers. And I saw them at Bonnaroo in like 2005 or something like that. And it was. It was on a Thursday night. Everybody was so excited to be at the festival. There wasn't much music going on. And these guys were playing one of the biggest tents at Bonnaroo. Uh, and, you know, they were a small band that played in little little bars in Nashville and Kentucky, but they just rocked people's socks off, man. Yeah. And I saw this guy about two years later in L.A. at the Knitting Factory. I saw him and went to their show, and there were like, you know, 50 people there. And I asked him, I was like, I found out about you guys at Bonnaroo. He's like, you have no idea how many people tell me that at, mm. at shows. Yeah. And he's like, that was the hardest show we've ever played in our entire life. I was like, why? He's like, 
you know, we couldn't get our van close to the stage. We had to carry all our shit over there just because they were the, yeah. you know, an afterthought band that was added at the last minute. Right. And they just weren't, you know, they weren't the big guys that got to fly in on helicopters and you right. know, get their stuff loaded on stage for them. Yeah. But he was like, it was totally worth it. And we got paid and, and it was and it was uh, a huge crowd, the biggest crowd we probably ever paid played for. And it's, you know, one of the one of the most important shows of our career, even though you know, it was hard and not necessarily uh, something that we even knew we were doing three days before. It. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to answer the bell. Yeah. Opportunity, you know. Yeah. You should definitely uh, check out Bonnaroo if you get if you get a chance to as a as a, a patron, but hopefully as a as one of the entertainers. Yeah. Both. I would love to I would love to check it out. Have you played festivals before? Um, smaller festivals than that, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a fun gig. The vibe is fun at festivals. Like people are ready to hear some fun music. Yeah. So party it up. Yeah. You always want to play like Friday, you know, one of the first days of the festival. Yeah. Sunday's a little harder. Mm. You know, everybody's kind of worn people out. Are a little burnt out. Yeah. They hadn't slept much at that point. Yeah. You know, they've been awake for three days. No more serotonin. Yeah. It's yeah. completely depleted. <laughs> Pineal gland. Done. <laughs> Yeah. So how long did it take you once you moved here to to get your like to get your first gig? Or when did you start looking? Was it like still boxes at the house? And then you There might have been. I wasn't yeah. super fast to unpack. <laughs> but uh my first gig was actually that guy Chris Marshall I was telling you about. That same gig that did I just do, run into him sometimes. <laughs> well, I was at his open jams. Nice. And uh, you know, must have jumped on the drum kit or something at some point and he just offered for me to be the drummer for that when I can do it. So. so you were just showing up as like a patron slash I might be able to slide in here if uh, somebody needs to <laughs> yeah, take I a mean, break. That's, you know, that's usually how it works is your first gig is that somebody knows you can, like I said earlier, like if they know what you can do, they'll call you. So you just got to get in front of people and let them know that you can play. And then show up. Yep. And then actually show up, be on time, be early if possible but just at least be on time yeah see you're gonna do you're you're gonna you're, you're gonna have a <laughs> long career in music i mean taking it seriously isn't that the problem with so many yeah so, so many musicians well i've been in bands before where it was normal for people to show up late like after showtime um and they were good enough bands that they, they got rebooked i guess but it's also, unprofessional right yeah it's super unprofessional and i'm sure It'd it'd be a lot harder to like ask for more money or something for the gig if that's your attitude, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have to treat it like a job, man. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm super pumped that uh, that you're playing out and playing around and that you're just really obviously talented, but your music is very easy and fun to listen to, to and has a good has a good vibe and a good. Uh, a good a good thump back there. You can, you can get a little get a little hip action going yeah. <laughs> to most of it. Too. Man, wait till you hear it with the live bands. That's really it's astronomically more groovy. Really? Know? Yeah. It's like same level of feeling, but there's more people involved in making that happen. So you so. feel like it pluses the texture of the of the music? Yeah. In a big way. Makes it more danceable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just easier to you don't have to listen to it as much. You can feel it more. 
Are you finding a following? Are you finding people who are seeking you out and trying to just kind of come wherever you are and listen? Considering the stage that we're at, Was the amount of people who are interested in the medicine and asking about it all the time that I've told about it and stuff are, is pretty high. Like Good. Compared to any other band I've been in, I don't know. I feel like there's a fair level of people being excited about it considering they haven't heard it yet because people know those players and the idea of us coming together in their minds is pretty exciting, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So I like it. Was it you that put it together? Did Were you the catalyst that kind of got everybody in? Yeah, I was kind of like looking to start a band. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, because everyone was, all, I mean, it, that's how it really started was people were asking me at jams and places like that. Or if I had a gig, like a lot of times people would know that I sing and write and you know, if you're playing a three, four hour gig, like sometimes it's helpful if the guy you hired for drums can jump up and sing a few tunes. Sure. So I was exposing that music around town and people would always ask me like, oh, what's like, do you have a, your band? You know? And I was always like, no, like, so it eventually just kind of had to happen, which I like. It doesn't feel forced, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And then, so I met up with Johnny, like I had mentioned to you earlier. And then from there, it just kind of stemmed meeting the other guys. Johnny had worked with Mike Jones on some other gigs and recommended him as a bass player. And then we all knew Michael Bates independently. I think everyone's played with him. So, Do you remember when you first got to town, um, like one of the first musicians you had heard of that you felt like was a local talent? Um, Everybody talks about Red. Everybody loves you, Red. I don't know Red. Red? You don't know Red? I mean, with two D's. The is it the uh, the lady that sang Brand New Key at Union Jacks the other night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's great. She is great. Beautiful voice, great stage presence. Yeah, yeah. I was captivated. Totally. She does that to every every room she plays. Really? Is like, oh shit, who's this? You know? Is that her name? Red. Red. I obviously, yeah. I mean, I knew exactly who you were talking about. Yeah. But so so she must be doing something right. Yeah. No, she's great. So I heard a lot about Red before I met Red. Really? Everybody likes I mean, how do you not love it, you know? What does she do? Uh does she play guitar or anything? Sings and plays guitar and she's a writer as well. Okay. Yeah. I think she was just singing when I saw her, maybe. Maybe she was. People she's the kind of person she gets asked to sing like everywhere she goes. Yeah. So you know, she'll jump up there even if she doesn't have her guitar sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So your uh, your last name is Van Way, is that how you say it? Yeah. Are you Dutch? I believe so. Yeah, I yeah. don't know a lot about my you know lineage or whatever. Everybody's a Van in uh, in Holland. I've been there a bunch of times. Yeah. And everybody's a Van or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't go digging too far back <laughs> to see what. Yeah. I'm like, ah, probably English, Scottish. It's probably somewhere in there. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. I don't want to find any cousins back there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I've just never been very interested in. I mean, it probably would be interesting information to know, but I'm ne- I've never been compelled to look into it. Uh, yeah, I'd say Dutch if I was going to look at you. You yeah. know, <laughs> tall, Van last name. Yeah. All <laughs> makes sense to me. You want to play some music? Yeah, I would love to. You want to? Yeah. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we do that? Anything else we need to talk about? Well, I wanted to let you know where to find the plant sessions because that's where some of our first videos are going to be posted. And also um, any musicians listening, if you want your group to come on, you'll have to hit us up. 
because we're gonna have different groups on nice all the time it's gonna be like a youtube video series super fun man yeah. so because my girlfriend jess is a like professional video yeah and photographer jess and has been on the show before yeah jess exactly. maples yeah yeah so she is great and so her and i meeting up because i have recording experience and know a lot of musicians um that's why we wanted to produce a video series that's Plus, awesome plants are groovy and they need to they need to be seen yeah, you're, yeah, you're, and they need some. They need some music in the house. Yeah. Some more music in the, some different music in the house. Plants like music, they say. Um, so where do you find it? So on Instagram, it's going to be at the plant sessions. At the plant sections. Yep. The plant sessions. sessions. Yep. And then it will be theplantsessions.com. And then Instagram for the medicine is at take your RX. Oh. Like take your prescription. Yeah. yeah. So that's everything will be posted there too, and I'm sure we'll have a Facebook. Yeah, so it's Dude, all just getting, getting just going, in the, just in the making. Well, this is our last podcast of the year. So, That's great. Yeah, so cheers, Sam. Cheers, Sam, for a good another good year in the shop. <laughs> you did it! A round of applause for himself. Yeah, <laughs> he deserves it, man. He's the hardest working dude in show business. Well, I appreciate you being here, and I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to see what you're gonna play for us. Thank you, man. We're going to get set up and uh, and do it. Let's do it. Sweet. Cool. I'm ready. Like I'm trying I'm trying way too hard, babe Feels like I'm trying But I'm still gonna let you down
This one's called Tomorrow. Thank you. 
each other Like there's nothing to lose And if you want to you right now girl cause your loving hits me just right talk a little slower you know I love it when you say my name I wanna get to know ya in every way so come a little closer stay a while I'm gonna love you gonna love you like it's gold I'll go the extra mile just to make you much lower after all that shit I went through I never met a woman who makes me feel higher than you you got a special way girl of knowing everything I need so baby baby please come a little closer stay Let's go. 
was blind to the way things really are Could hardly stand with the weight I carry It's like my soul was living behind bars And every day was a tribulation Trying hard just not to fall apart Giving in to every temptation And ignoring the feelings in Go deeper 